Buenos días. <laughs> Let's try it again. Buenos días. I'm glad that you're practicing now, so when you get to heaven, you won't have a problem to communicate with us. <laughs> God is good, and I just praise the Lord for this great opportunity to be here this morning. Uh, my name is Fernando Napolis. I'm serving with BMW. Now the Beamers, we're a Beamers. And uh, we're serving in, uh, in the outskirts of Mexico City, a small town of about 27 million people. And uh, so uh, God has been faithful through this many years, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all your participation in this ministry. An extension of this church is going to Whiskey Lucan. God is doing amazing things, and, uh, and just we, we are really excited to be here because we know we are part of this body and, and the ministry that God is doing in our lives. So with that note, I would like just to go to the, to the text and see how God is going to speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we are clean by, by your word. But now you said that we need to clean our feet because they get dusty just walking in this world. We pray that you will be uh, here this morning and that your spirit will work in us and through us. So the, we might go out with the beautiful feet out to the world and preach, share your faith. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When we come to Romans, we need to understand what's going on in the mind of Paul. Paul began in chapter 9 talking about Israel, his brothers, and how his heart is for his nation. And he continues all the way to the finish of chapter 11, talking about the nation of Israel. And then he makes a parenthesis in the verses that, we, that you guys chose that were just beautiful verses. And it's a rhetorical question that's going to be answered by how we react to these words. And how he's bringing it to us, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed? In and how they can they believe in in the one whom they have not heard, and how they can hear without someone preaching to them. And the key here is several uh, things that we're going to be talking this morning about how God begins to work and what does the people need to hear. In Mexico, a lot of people hear a lot of things every Sunday they hear about Jesus, but they hear it in a different way. And it's a gospel. Jesus loves you. He is there to, God is there to help you, to fix it. When you come to Jesus, all your problems are going to go away. And promising a lot of things that are not real. They promise like a God isn't there just waiting for you order. When you pray, He acts and you, He begins to work in your life and give you whatever you want. You know, and that's not the gospel. That's not what we hear in here. And this, as we begin to discover, Paul writes in the verse... Uh, before that, he's beginning to say something that is interesting. The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. So this is what you need to preach. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's three components in here that we're going to look into this sharing. And then we're going to go how we send the people and how the whole thing comes together. The first thing is about confessing. 
confessing. We confess our sins, but we sometimes we say we are sorry, you know, I'm sorry that I did this. But in reality, God is not working in our hearts. And we say it because we don't want problems. We don't want to face the crowd, you know, we don't want to face the music. So we said, I'm sorry. We need to confess the Lord. And the way that works is beautiful because the, the, the Bible has a lot of examples of how we describe this. And one of them is when the Lord Jesus is teaching, you know, by the sea, and it's a lot of crowd comes, and everybody's in there, and he gets in the boat with, with his disciples and begins to teach. And when he finished, he says something interesting. He says, let's go fishing. And remember, it was an argument in there. I mean, I can see the disciples looking to each other and said, wait a minute, we're going fishing all night. We have got nothing. You see, Peter thought that he was a good fisherman. He was. But the Lord Jesus was going to teach him something about how you confess the Lord Jesus with your lips. So the argument is going in there and says, you know, we, we were all night, nothing happened, and, but in your name, I will do it. So he put the net down and what happened? All the fish. And immediately Peter bowed before him and he said, depart from me. I'm an evil person. I'm a wicked person. Lord. See, he had to come to the senses that he was not as good as he thought he was. We need to, to communicate this to the people so they will confess the Lord. And one of the things that God will use to do that is the law. And we, we begin to see here how Israel was, got sidetracked. You know, he, he got lost because they were looking to the ceremonial things to please God and then the last argument in Acts 28, Paul speaks to them and says, You have ears, you haven't hear, you have eyes, you saw the miracles, you saw the wonders, and you don't understand. You don't want to come to the Lord to heal you. That's the last argument. He says, You know what? God is just putting aside Israel, and He's going to go to the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles will hear, and they will believe. That's the hearing. They will hear the word that I'm going to proclaim and they will believe about Jesus because salvation comes by faith and by faith, by hearing the word of God. So I'm going to bring this people that is not my people. I want to bring this people because I have a covenant with you. You rejected this covenant. I have my arms open to you day and night and, and pleading you to come to me and you just reject it. I send you a Messiah. The Messiah came and announced the good news, and you rejected him. So now, we're going to go to this parenthesis, which is, he's talking about the Gentiles. So when he's talking about the law, in, in Galatians chapter 3 and 24, verse 24, he's talking about, the law is the schoolmaster to bring us into salvation to Christ. So the Holy Spirit is going to use this law that is written everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world is written this moral law to see how good are we. To face the reality, to look into this mirror and begin to say, hey, you know, 
Okay, Lord, probably Peter was thinking, you know, you are from Galilee, you are a rabbi, you are a carpenter, but you, you don't know anything about fishing. And the Lord says, yeah, I know everything about fishing. Right? So the law is going to come to our hearts, and that's what the people need to hear when you begin to confront the people with the reality. We are sinners. But not everyone likes to hear that. Because you're judging. You're doing some things. So it's two things that we don't talk in Mexico. We don't talk about politics. And we don't talk about religion. We talk about your life. You see? Everybody can talk about any religion and they will get lost. But when you talk about what God is engraved in their hearts, you begin to ask questions. How do you ever lie? Well, it's just one little lie. Hold the truth. Had you ever say something that was not really the truth? Well, everybody does, not you. Yes, well, if you lie, you are a liar. And the Bible and the law says, Thou shalt not lie. What about stealing? What about, you know, it doesn't matter the... the the quantity or the quality or whatever you're taking away, that's not yours. You're stealing it. A pencil, an hour from your job. So if you steal, you are a thief. What about adultery? So you see, you begin the law, the, the Holy Spirit begins to work in the hearts of the people to begin to close their mouth. Because no one is good to this standard. You're not arguing about anything. His conscience is accusing him because he's going back and saying, oh, I know, I remember this. Right? So little by little, this person begins to see that the wages of sin is death. And let me put it in a different way. In the old times, when you committed a crime, let's say you kill someone, they will wrap the dead body to you, to your back. And you will carry this dead body sleep with this dead body eat with this dead body how would you like to have that in your back a dead person that's it and you cannot take it away put it aside or do anything because God has to intervene in your life in order to recognize that you're not good enough to do that and when you recognize there's nothing good in me I, I cry to the Lord and say Say me. You see? So is the salvation message that he's talking to, how are they going to hear? How are they going to hear? How are they going to understand what is God is intending to do in their lives? It has to be a confession, a repentance. And this repentance has to have some ingredients. Look in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 7, and you will see it clearly. 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So repentance from God, it goes like this. It will produce earnestness. Diligence of not going and doing the same thing that you're doing. When you repent from the heart, when you have something that you did, it is something in your heart that tells you, don't go there, man. 
Don't do that anymore. The result is going to be the same over and over. This 99 time is not going to change anything because you have experience. So this is going to create that. It's going to produce that, the repentance. Also, it's going to produce uh, eagerness to clear yourself. You will be eager to go and apologize. An apology that you recognize not because you are trying to justify yourself, but you recognize that you did something that offended God, and therefore you have to make this clear. It was my fault. And it's an indignation because you've been robbed of this. You cannot go to sleep at night. It is something in there that is eating you unless you go and talk to this person and be right because it's what God wants you to do. So your eager is something in there burning inside the seal that it makes you do these things. And then there's also an indignation. What alarm? Alarm is to wake you up, right? That's what we're created. This alarm in there, you say, wake up. The problem is not going to go away. What you did was wrong, and you have to confess it. Because that will lead you to salvation. Not just an easy believing, but something that God has placed in your heart, in your mind, and your conscience is accusing you. So you go in there and apologize. You are eager to, to see this thing clear. There's an alarm, a longing, because you lost something, a friendship. I really value your friendship more than anything else. And I'm willing to do something about it. And lastly, this is one of the things that's great, is readiness to see justice. Retribution. If you take it away and you broke it, buy a new one. Don't give it the broken one back. You see what I mean? So that leads... Into salvation. God wants to save the world. That's His will. He wants all the people to know Him. They need to hear this message. But the message is crowded with a lot of wrong things that we do. Come, you know, if you come, Jesus is going to make you happy. Jesus is a good friend, you know, and everything is going to be cool. No, it isn't. The reality is it's a hard time. If you want to live according to what God is calling you to live, you will suffer persecution. We see that in Mexico. When you turn to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we have this young man who was an alcoholic. He came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and he was doing great. But the parent says, you know what? I'd rather see you drunk again and losing your life than changing your religion. That's the mentality. Because the bad habits that we have... We think that just, you know, just put it under the carpet, don't do anything, and everything is going to be okay. No, it isn't. Repentance, then, is when you confess. When you confess and you cry to God's mercy, have mercy upon me. Because I deserve the penalty. I'm carrying this dead body. Everybody can see it. So when you call upon the Lord... When you call upon His mercy, God will reach down and take that burden away and make you free. Amen? Amen. He will save you. Save me, Lord. And then you begin to believe. And when you begin to believe what God has done in the cross, because He took your place, the penalty was nailed to the cross, the dead body, with all the sinful acts and everything was... 
nailed to the cross, so you will be saved and have this wonderful relation with Christ. So now God is going to give you His grace. First, He's going to show you the mercy of God, and then His grace. You're saved by grace alone. It's a gift that God has given us just because His Son chose to die for us. It's interesting how Paul begins to, to work in Romans and again talking to Israel. And what happened to Israel is interesting because if we don't know history, you know, we will repeat the same history. In Romans 10, verse 20 to 21, but concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Prideful people. What happened to Israel? They have the promises. They have everything. They have God more than anything. And they choose to live differently. Be more religious. Come into church and nothing is happening. You know what? This gospel is going to cost you because God is calling you to change, to be radical in your change. If you lie, you don't lie. You don't cheat. You do those things at work. You don't do those things at home. Something amazing in Whiskey Look, and a lot of people come to know the Lord Jesus, and they think that they can tell the people how they live when they are not, they are not living the same way in their own houses. Or they will come to me and say, Fernando, come because I have a problem with my kid. I want you to pray so God will change my kid. I said, there's a reason why your kid is that way. Do you realize that? God has given you an opportunity for you to change. Change your perspective. Change the things that you're looking into. And to see that you're excusing yourself. And you, be, and you start becoming more responsible for the things that God has given you. So Israel was all day just holding the hands and everything. And you know what? God is doing the same thing today. And many times the church, you know, is, is a place with a lot of people there get, you know, like, ah, we don't know. We know that, you know. We, we know how to deal with this. We do, you know, and we try to go outside to ministries and do a lot of things. But our houses are empty. Our homes are dark. There's no communication with our children. We lose our children. Because we become religious nuts. Thinking that we can come to church, carry my Bible. No, God is, you know, creating something different. Changing the heart to repentance and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's Israel doing all these things. And it's interesting because right after chapter 11, he goes to chapter 12. He deals with Israel. You know, can you, did you realize what happened, what could happen if Israel accepted the Lord Jesus Christ when he came? Huh? Have you ever thought about that? What about if the Israelites accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and says, here is my Messiah? They will go to the next uh, part of the calendar, God's plan. Great tribulation, and then the millennium. So this parenthesis was done because of the rebellion, of the obstinance, of, 
of things that God is going to create a jealousy with people that was not his people. To us, the Gentiles, the church. There was a mystery. So God began to reveal his mystery. And then we confess, we repent, we believe. And then in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. He didn't say offering your feet. Offering your body as a living sacrifice. The Lord said, go ye and make what? Disciples. To the nations, right? What is a disciple? A learner. The, the, the disciple word comes from the same word as a discipline. We want to make disciples, but we don't know how to discipline ourselves. You see what I'm saying? We're undisciplined. We do whatever we want. We eat whatever we want. We don't care about this body. Self-control is not in there. What is it? You know? We go to the restaurants. Wow, look at this plate. It was big. You know? I get my money worth, you know? Begin to eat. It's not discipline. It's not things that God has given. You know, one of the things that God has given is something that is practical. That we can see and we can do every day. So God begins to bring around all this. I'm going to bring this all around so we can see the feet. <laughs> all right? So God has his body. He is the head. And it's interesting when, when the Lord, just before he was, he, he was given the Last Supper, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Remember that? Scenery, remember how the Lord is cleaning everything? It comes to Peter. And Peter, again, stood up and says, Mm-mm, you're not, wash my, you're not going to wash my feet. I said, if I don't do that, you don't have a part with me. I said, Lord, pff, not just my feet, my head, my body, everything. He said, no, you don't need that. You're already clean by the word. He says, the feet are clean because they travel. They use, they, in the time of the Lord Jesus, they were using sandals. And when they're walking, they get all the dust and everything. And one of the first things they will do before they enter a house, it was a place where the serpent, servant will come with a bucket of water and a towel and, and nail down and wash the feet before this guest could enter the house. That's when Jesus, the Lord Jesus was uh, a little bit indignated when, when he went to this Pharisee's house. And he's sitting at the table and this come this sinner, this woman, and they start weeping and crying at the Jesus' feet and washing his feet. And you remember Simon? Oof, if this rabbi know who's touching him, you know, he's a sinful woman. I said, you know what? Let me tell you something, Simon. I came to your house. You didn't wash my feet. But look at this woman. He's been washing my feet. Just the moment she came. You know, to those who are forgiven, the most, they're more grateful. So this out of gratitude that we begin to understand how God brings this all together to see our feet. The feet. So how do we do it? Well, he's calling us to see that some people is going to go, some people is going to stay, and some people is going to pray. So you can pray. And let me tell you something. I praise God because God is answering your prayers. Amen? In Whiskey Luca, something amazing is going on. 
We decided, you know, I didn't decide it. I was just confused and I wanted to know, Lord, I want to please you. I want to see this church to grow to the maturity, to the standard of your knowledge. So they can depend on you, be responsible, and then just can learn and enjoy your fellowship with you. And I said, what do I need to do? The Lord said, get out of the way. Okay, I'll do that. What do I need to do? He said, all right. And so we have a, a Bible study. It's not a Bible study. It's a... A Bible Institute in Whiskey Lugan. It's going to take four years. So every Sunday we take an hour and a half. We do the service. It takes about 80% of participation. Everybody's participating, learning. They have the same notes and everything. And they do the homework during the week. You know what happened? The church began to grow. The church began to see how they depend on God. And how they build one another. How they grow together. How God is bringing the whole body of Christ to the maturity, to the standard of Christ. So in four years, everybody's going to be to the same level of a, you know, the Bible Institute student. And it's for the whole church. So the, ch- the whole church will grow and mature. So this is how God answered your prayers. You partner with the missionaries. And as you go, you begin to share these things. And the going is something interesting. A missionary, I'm glad that, the, that you're sharing your story because that's wonderful. A missionary is the one who gets his hands dirty. He's not waiting for crossing a, a, a culture or something, a, you know, a, a border or anything. You're doing what God has called you to do. So just practicing. A lot of people, they come with the idea that if I cross a culture or a border, I will become a missionary. And it doesn't work. Let me tell you something. We've been in Mexico for the past 20 years. In Mexico City. When we went down there, we were 50 missionary couples. We we're the last ones in Mexico. And we we're the only ones who planted a church. Why? That's the question. We see a lot of people, they don't even finish the first term. They pack and they leave home. They leave back home. We had just one uh, couple, they left last year. He began the paperwork, the state in Mexico, and then finally said, you know what? We quit. After all their support, after everything was done, the prayers, and now it's getting hotter. So what God is calling His body is to pray and to go. And by going means you, yourself, right here. You don't need to cross a border. It's right here across the street. You don't need to go to another country. Go to another part of LA. It's there. If you have the burden for something, God will give you those feet. And this is how God cleans their feet. By being part of the body and communicating this great message, that God is, is willing to save the people, but they need to repent. They need to confess. They need to believe in order to be saved, to be part of the body of Christ. That's what His mission is all about. And then one thing is you send. If you cannot go... If you're, you, you don't, you don't have the calling and the calling is to obedience. It's not to a specific a place, but it's obedience to God. Because we, every one of us are missionaries and we have to share our faith. Amen? We have to share something with, with our work, with our jobs, with the school, every place that you are, you need to share what God is doing in your life. And they will be evident because you're practicing what God is telling you to practice. It's in your life. It's embedded. They can see it. 
You're different. You react different when there's something, there's crisis, and I can see you, how you react. And that's how God begins to clean their feet of his body, of his church. Talking about reaction. Came back from, I arrived here from Mexico, rented a car, and I'm with the pastor. And my birthday, from 54, the 12th. I parked the car, came back. They broke in to my car. They stole my backpack, my passport, my uh, residence card, my social security. So you're going to have another Fernando around here <laughs> preaching. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to be preaching because I, it was a Bible there too. So they took some little stuff. You know what? The pastor looked at me waiting for my reaction. What do you want to say? I live in Mexico. I know crime. I know what's going on. So it's okay. Maybe the Lord wants me to go and pray, right, in L.A. to get my passport back and all that things. What I'm saying, folks, is when, when Paul is writing, he's writing to, to, to make a connection so the church can understand. That the church can get so involved in wrapping themselves and without knowing it, they're neglecting what God is calling them to do. Like Israel. We come so easygoing. You know, I don't want to go there. I mean, this is for missionaries. I don't have, the, I don't have the, the ability to talk to anyone. Sometimes you don't have to talk. When you go to the ranch, you work. You use your hands, right? You use something. Whatever you have, you connect with children. That's what you like that, don't you? You go in there, you serve. It doesn't make any difference. You will do the same thing in here. But first, God needs to clean our feet. Our feet needs to be clean. Our hearts are clean. They're right. We have a wonderful relationship with Christ. We have something that is in common to all of us. You know what? This going, the praying, and, everything, and this sending is what is so difficult to the church because it becomes a burden sometimes but let me tell you what a blessing when the people has has this mentality this vision and begin to see God's work in their lives it's just amazing thank you for praying thank you for sending us thank you for sending her and be behind her thank you for sending missionaries people in there to work part time or whatever to the ranch. Thank you for being faithful. And you know what? My God is gracious. My God is wonderful. Our God is great. He will supply all, all your needs according to His riches and glory. He's going to do great things in this body. And let me tell you something. When you begin to get your eyes away from these four walls and begin to penetrate the neighborhood, and I'm glad that we're going to be walking. I'm going to be walking too next Saturday or whenever it, uh, the thing is. Because we want to invade this neighborhood. You know, we're ready. We must be diligent. The time is short. And we, not, we need to understand that the only way that God is going to clean our feet is by getting together as a network. So God is doing great things in Mexico. People are baptized, believing, growing, and maturing. Just because our partnership 
that we have in Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the challenge. Help us to understand, Lord, that that our feet get so dirty. Maybe you are here and coming to church and you don't know what's going on. Let me tell you something, friend. Unless you repent, unless you call upon the Lord to save you, you're going to be in vain just to be a church goer. God wants you to change you from the inside outside. And if you haven't accepted that, if you haven't believed that, I urge you that you will open your heart and that you will cry to God to save you. That He will save you and give you a new identity, a new life. That you will be part of this body. So I urge you, just talk to someone. Talk about your condition. And let God deal with you. And I pray that this will be something fresh and new to this church. They will empower many people, not just one person, but many people to go and to work and to serve right here in the neighborhood, here in Jerusalem. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your cleansing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.